Welcome to episode 880 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 880 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James. Oh, how you get out there? How the league's feeling, mate? Uh, they're a little tender, to be honest, Bevan. It's 6 a.m. over here in Germany and got about four hours sleep and feeling it, but it's good. It's nice day, you, you, do your, you do your camps, and I know you're providing a service, so you kind of like you get your race done. Do you? I know you've got people supporting you and the rest of it, but do you still feel a responsibility to look after everyone once you finish your racing? What's it like, if so? Uh, to be honest, I was not in any state to help oh, really? anybody last <laughs> night. <laughs> so I, I drove a van home and that was about it. But uh, as you'll hear later on, I was in a, a world of hurt. Uh, and so it was quite some time before I was ev- even able to contribute to a conversation, let alone um, worry about others. But <clears throat> yeah, there's definitely... Definitely think lots of things to think about and, and all the way through the week, you know, the only, really the only downtime I got was probably for half a day before the race. Um, and that's certainly not complaining about it. That's, no, that's, that's the, the deal. deal. Yep. Um, but on the flip side, it, it certainly means I don't get any, any chance to become nervous or think about the race too much. It was literally the day before the race, got half a day to sort of uh, try to get in the zone a bit. But the rest of it's, um, yeah, sort of managing the camp, which is, um, which is all good fun. Everyone had a great time. Okay, then. so let's say thank you to our patrons before we get into the show, John. Who are, you, you can name the patrons. I've got the first one I've got here is Chris the Combustor Apple, which you guys heard from last week. I haven't seen him since he finished last night, but he finished, and he must have got in well before the cutoff time because, uh, yeah, we were packed up and, and well well done before then, so that was awesome. And uh, also Christine the Grind McKinley and Colette. Coasting Andrews. Okay, John. So this week's show is obviously going to be a bit different. We'll, we'll do a quick wrap-up of the races that have happened around the world this weekend, obviously rope being the main focus. And then we'll kind of go into John's race report. And then from there, we'll kind of get some interviews from some of the Epic Camp, uh, Rote Epic Camp finishes. So let's let's just talk about, before we dig into Rote, we had a couple of Ironman races happen over the weekend. We called Lane. And uh, what, what were some of the results from the weekend, Jonbo? Well, it's really cool to see. If you you guys recall, a while ago we spoke to Chris uh, Leiferman, yeah, and yeah. he was having all sorts of struggles. He'd only just got out of hospital and really contemplating what the hell he was going to be able to do. But he's gone and won Ironman Coeur d'Alene um, yeah. in front of Matthew Marcade and Justin Metzer was a, a very distant third place. So I don't know any ideas what actually happened in the race, but I did see just before on Instagram, I think Sam Long got three punches, so he he was out. Oh, okay. um, but cool to see Chris Leifman back in the game. And for those guys, you know, you need to be winning races to pay the bills, yeah. uh, obviously. And so, so good on him. And on the female side, Jody Robinson took that of Haiti Chira by nearly 10 minutes and Melly McQuaid in third. Uh, and then we also had Ironman France, which is a good precursor to Nice later in the year. I don't know if it's the same course, but I did see the other day that Ironman released the, the course video and a course overview for the Ironman um, race 
world champs scene in whenever it is september uh, god it looks awesome you know just really so cool going and riding in the mountains and just the the landscape is amazing so i know people are going on and on uh you know slots are rolling all the way out and and it's you know not the same as kona just it's just going to take Take a little while, but if you want an epic course, that is it. So Clement Mignon uh, took out the boys' race. He's a Frenchie in front of Bart Arnott's by six and a half minutes, went 8.17. Uh, Jonas Hoffman third, and then on the female side, that must have been only, only a pro males race because I can't see any female results. Yeah, John, so. just, just on this, was it the exact same course? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure on that. Uh, it's got to be fairly similar. So the swims, I imagine, will be the same. The run, I imagine, will be the same because you can only run up and down the Promenade des Anglais. Yeah. Uh, with, uh, whether or not they've changed the bike course much, I'm not quite sure. So maybe listeners can let us know if you've done that, if it is significant. But there's a bloody good dose of climbing in there. So, um, yeah, really looking forward to seeing how that unfolds for both the age group age groupers and also for for the pro men it should be you know quite a different race it's just interesting you know you kind of think as a pro especially because it's the first year i'm surprised we didn't get a slightly better pro field and i know the payday's not there and all the rest of it but you know it's kind of early enough to still go out and have a strong ironman day and be fresh for august you know that kind of familiarity of the course and to get that under your belt could be an advantage could be. I'd imagine they'll go down there and train and check out the course. But uh, show me the money, Bevan, when you've got uh, Challenge Rope with 115,000 rope plus probably quite a bit of appearance fees happening. Or, you know, Hamburg the week before. You've got the PTO races, you know. Um, yeah, I'm sure they'll go do course familiarization, but you've got to, got to follow the money. Okay, let's talk about the big race. We had Challenge Rope, which is arguably still one of the top three races in the year um great female field great male race really good pro racing overall two technically record times in iron distance racing in the history of the sport uh let's break down the female race first john so uh, have you had much time to actually talk see what happened in the race and did you what were you noticing out there on the on the race yeah so all i saw was uh the run legs down on the canal and the females when you go down to the canal you run down and then you turn right and you probably run down there for, I don't know, maybe three Ks or something like that. And then you turn and you come back and then you run a bloody long way the other way. Um, and so when we were running back along there, uh, I saw a second, third and fourth females, but I did not see the first female. Uh, so that was Daniela Reef, and she was in another postcode to the rest yeah. of them. And then also I did see the first uh, few guys that were running back up to T2. So they would have been at about the 27K mark. So that was pretty cool. Did get to see if, if, you know, a little bit of what was going on out there. But the story of the day, you know, this is so cliche, you know, you can't win the race in the swim, but you can sure as hell set up a bloody good race. And Daniela Reef, unbelievable swim for her. So Vanilla Language, unsurprisingly, led out of the swim, but she had Daniela Reef with her. Daniela Reef was normally way back, you know, you'd be expecting her to maybe come out somewhere between Anne Haug and, and Laura Phillip and Vanilla Language, but certainly not to be keeping up. So for her to be like two minutes in front of, you know, someone like Lisa Norden is, you know, probably the lifetime best swim for her. It was, uh, it was, 
was amazing. She just owned it out there. You know, um, I think Dave Dwan, Dr. Feelgood, he said, no, no, it was Ollie, Mr. Sausage Jenner. He said Danielle Reef came past him on the bike. You know, she would have been, I guess, on her second lap and he would have been on his first. Yep. He just said it was just like a whirlwind coming past. She was just on fire. Well, look at her bike time. She did a, uh, she did a 4.22.56. So if you look at all the other female pros, she was basically about 16 minutes ahead of anybody else, 15 to 16 minutes ahead of anybody else in the female profile, like, well, maybe maybe one of us like 10, 12 minutes, but basically she just blitzed them on the bike. Unbelievable. And, I, and I'll say this again later on the show, I'm sure. This is not a flat course. Yes, it's about a K and a half, maybe short or so, so you add on a little bit there, but it is not flat. The roads are super smooth, but you've got a lot of climbing and a lot of twists and turns and stuff like that. So it's Certainly not a straight line TT. Uh, and then for her to back it up with a 251 uh, on what was a bloody hot day uh, for an 808, new course record by 10 minutes and, you know, fastest uh, fastest time over this distance we've ever seen. She said, you know, I saw the press release, you know, she just had the perfect day. It was just, you know, spot. She swam amazingly, biked amazingly, run fantastically. Yeah, she got a bit of time run out of her, but Annie Haug, but when you're 25 minutes down uh it's all it's race over already so that is a phenomenal performance i don't know uh what happened to chelsea sadaro because when i was running along the canal go past chelsea sadaro was in second place she was just in front of Anne haug and laura phillip but she's obviously a dnf so i'm not quite sure what happened there but she was you know with those those uh second and third place females in front of them so obviously uh the crap hit the fan somewhere but that would have been you know 25 and so she must have either injured herself pulled out or whatever. Anne Haug in second place came home with a 244-45 marathon and Laura Phillip um, came home in third place in 8.25. So Anne Haug would have been only three minutes off the course record as well and Fennell Langridge in fourth place. It's what's really interesting about it, um, John, is, is that we've, you know, in the last 18 months, we've kind of been wondering is Daniela, you know, she's has been a little bit less consistent than what she's been in previous times in her career. And you're kind of, you know, is she kind of what she used to be? But in the last three or four months, she, like, you can't go in Hawaii, you kind of have to say she's favourite right now, wouldn't you? Oh, hell yeah. If she's, if she's fit and on form, she's going to annihilate everybody. Um, if she's and she's got time. Yeah, you know, because why is it month later? So she's still got plenty of time to kind of get fresh, reset, get that last little bit of peek out of herself. God, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, uh, she is. Yeah, she is amazing. So uh, that is a, just a staggering performance when you consider the average speed held on the bike, and just a swim and run eight oh eight. Ten, not not a little bit off Chrissy's record. Ten minutes yeah. off Chrissy's record. That is huge. Well, and let's let's like, like, we'll talk about the men's race, and I know we're going to talk about Marcus Dickler in a second. But Patrick Lane has run a two thirty. Yeah. Wasn't that was it short or was it accurate? It's a little bit short. It's about I haven't actually checked my files, but I think it's you know maybe seven hundred meters short. Um, so you know, call it a 232. Yeah, something like that. Uh, he said he was disappointed. He wanted to run sub 230. Uh, so, that, again, that's awesome. And this, not taking anything away, but this shows, you know, the difference of the shoes. Um, you know, seeing guys run this fast now, I can, you know, whilst he ran a 230, we've got three guys, other guys that ran 230. 
Olympics or 237. So we've, you know, we we never saw this before COVID or before no. before the Super Shoes. Uh, so yeah, not taking anything away from Patrick Langer. He looked awesome. I saw him coming the other way in, in second place, and he was a you know a fair way behind. But uh, good on him. You know, we often say he hasn't done you know huge. Huge amount outside. Yeah, he's won races, he's won some, but he's known as uh, doing so well in Kona. But I think over the last few years with his performance in Ironman Israel uh, and a few other ones, like I think it was Tulsa, you know, he's shown that he can do it outside of Kona. So uh, good on him. What's really interesting, we had John Neverson on a couple of weeks ago talking about how he used to always update the sub eight with 13 pros go <laughs> under eight hours in this race. Yeah, it was, uh, and I, I was, it, it was hot. You know, it was about 28 degrees centigrade. And, you know, the pros, you know, they're a lot more used to it to, to the age groupers because, you know, they train in that sort of heat every day. So they can, they're a lot more convert. But, you know, it was it was toasty. Um, the run course has got some some up and downs in it. You do have the run along the canal, which is quite forgiving on the legs, but it is very exposed. One of the, the really helpful things yesterday, there was a little bit of a breeze, which did actually make the bike I thought a little bit slower because you didn't seem to get the tailwind. You had this bit of head breeze. It wasn't much, but it was noticeable. But thankfully, we had a bit of a breeze down by the canal because otherwise that can be an absolute furnace. So, so that certainly helped things. Um, in places, it's very exposed and there was not a single cloud in the sky yesterday. So so the big news really was, so so it seems from less looking at race results is that San Diego and Marcus Didley have got out of the, out of the swim and just blitz the bike. So, did you did you see much of what was happening in the men's race, or um, you know, what what, what were your kind of or thoughts on the yeah. men's race? I only saw a little bit on the run, but you're exactly right. Those two got away and basically shut the door on anybody else. And as long as as long as Ditley had a good steady run, then he was gonna gonna win. And Patrick Langer kind of said, you know, I was running for second, I wasn't running for first, unless. Ditlev, you know, blew up, so he knew he'd run fast, but uh, you know, Ditlev was going to have to fade pretty badly to, to to lose the race. So Sam Laidlow sounds like he got some cramps on the run, um, but put himself in a position to to win, but only managed a three-hour marathon, so he dropped all the way down to eighth place. You know, I think he was in the hunt for for being on the podium, but um, yeah, when you have to stop for cramps, it's um, makes it pretty tough. Anything else? Any other thoughts on the men's race? Yeah, no, it was. Um, I think Daniel Beckingard's performance was was good. You know, he's a seventy point three athlete. hasn't shown as much uh, over the long course, and also Ben Canute, Canute is really new mm. to long course racing. So they both had you know really good days. So Magnus Ditlev took it out. His splits were forty six minute swim, three fifty seven on the bike. Yeah. Uh, so that is averaging over forty k's an hour. And I think Dave Dwan, Doctor. Feelgood said that Magnus Ditlev came past him on the bike and he just said it was mental. So they'd, they'd have to be sitting on the flat sections, you know, around 50k an hour. The gear wow. they must be pushing must be massive. Uh, so wicked. Uh, and then he ran a 237, which is fantastic. Uh, big, strong dude. And 724.40. I can't remember what the record is. Uh, I think I thought no, it was the, the, well, the PR from stuff have said that they're both were records. So yeah, there's definitely, definitely a record. I just can't remember what it was. I think it was, it was, it was 27, 22. wasn't it? Oh, I can't remember. Yeah, but can't anyway, remember yeah. 
it's 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 awesome. Patrick Langer, second place. Um, you know, he they lost 13 minutes on the bike, uh, coming out with the you know the group, so he had a really good swim, but lost 13 minutes, uh, and then ran a 2:30, and then Ben Canute in third place. Um, you know, so basically the same deal. Obviously rode with Langer, um, but lost seven minutes to him on the the bike, but still. 737s, not shabby. Daniel Beckengard fourth, and Joe Skipper managed to come home with a 240 for a fairly distant uh, fifth place. And Sam Laidlow dropped down to to eighth. Um, and also they gave uh, Sebastian Keenley a nice send off. He only finished in 14th place, but um, he's yeah. Obviously, that was a big deal him being at this race on yeah. his uh, end of season sort of tour. So just just before we kind of dig into your race, any other thoughts just on, on the pro races and overall? No, they're just fast. <laughs> so yeah. They're just insanely fast. The standard is just going up and up and up, um, which, is, which is great to see. And it's just cool. We, we are getting, you know, we're getting more races now where we're getting, you know, really strong fields, you know. So we've got the PTO races. We're going to have the Ironman World Champs uh, and Rote. You know, this is a, was a, an awesome field. So uh, hats off to, to Felix and the crew for obviously – putting up a lot of money and, and getting the pros here and uh making it happen it was uh it was a big deal that woman's field is was was something else if you you just had lucy charles here uh that would have just added another element to it um but wicked racing well and i think the other thing john is is well i can't remember who we're interviewing recently but just this concept of this you know we're not seeing the the, the athlete with one strong factor nowadays just really can't play the game. You know, you you got to be a complete athlete nowadays. You know, back you know, I remember when Alexander won his last Kona and it was like the complete performance. And I think he did like an eight or maybe just above eight at that stage. Um, you know, like before that time, you could be an Uber cyclist and still pull off these championship levels of races. Can't really see that happening at all now. You know, these athletes look at the times. The deadlift swim, bike, run was just absolute complete triathlete and same for Daniela. They're just complete performances, aren't they? Yeah, and yeah, I think uh, what we're going to see more and more next few years is you can't get away with a shitty swim. Um, and, you know, Joe Skipper's 51-18, so he's, you know, f- you're nearly, you know, four and a half minutes behind out of the swim, which is, you know, it's, it is what it is, but, you know, when you when you miss the pace line and stuff, it's um, it's going to make, make life pretty true so uh yeah you're right you can't you can you know you can have a little bit of a weakness but it can't be a big weakness so i i, I was out last night i was in wellington i was flying home from wellington i was on road all day chop, checking out john newsome you know it was, it was a little bit late so i went to bed and i thought okay he's in a good position you look like you're biking mm-hmm. pretty strong and i mm-hmm. woke up in the morning i checked the results and i thought okay well i want to hear what happened so tell me about your day yeah. So the way they do the swim over here, they had the pro men starting at 6.35. They had, I think the women were either three or five minutes behind that. And then there's a bit of a gap. And then they have it at 6.50. They have a wave that's got the fast sub nines and the and the over 65s. And then I was in the next wave um, at another five minutes later at 6.55 because I think I put my predicted time at 9.59.59 because when I did enter this race, I didn't think sub nine was even a remote possibility oh, okay. because okay. Uh, I was not in great shape and I just saw, I wasn't even sure if I was going to race the race. I was going to do it, but I wasn't sure if I was going to race it. I was thinking oh, I might just go and do it and just lap it up and enjoy it. So so I was in that second wave, um, which meant we had some of the slower sub nines and uh, some of the, and those that are just over, were predicted to be just over nine. So, Did it cost you? Uh, no. 
Okay. No, don't no, I don't think so. So got myself on the front line in this one. There was a little um little dinghy right in the middle of the start line. So I thought I'm gonna hold on to that. I breathed my left, so it was right in the middle of the start line. And that will mean I've got nobody on my right for the first part of the swim. And I'll hopefully get away to to a clean start. First couple of strokes are okay. <laughs> he just took an absolute beating uh <laughs> early in the swim. It was it was uh one of the roughest starts I've ever had. Okay. Luckily managed to clear out of it. And then I look up ahead and I'm like shit. I've missed the break. There was oh. a, a group a group in front of us. And I was like, oh, what do I do here? So I'm, like, I'm going for it for 200 meters. Not maximum effort, but I'm going to put in a good, two, strong 200. They did, weren't pulling away from me. So I thought, I think they're swimming at the same pace. So I've got to get up there and then I'll just be onto a free ride. And so I did that, got up to them relatively comfortably. So I thought, sweet, that is exactly I'm right where I want to be. I'm with the front group. I'm sitting and I'm just going to be able to relax for the rest of the swim. Um, however, what started to happen, and I knew this would happen, is we started to catch up to the wave in front, especially the the 65 pluses. And I felt for them because they were taking an absolute hammering if they got in the way. Uh, no, certainly not intentionally swimming over them, but if I was, I would have been swimming well right because you were just going to get steamrolled from from behind unintentionally uh so that that broke break things up a bit but by and large um had a pretty good draft the whole way and intensity was was quite low which was great and then later in the swim and i thought this would happen too is then we starting the sub nines from the wave in front the people that are just shitty swimmers and uber biker runners and so we had a lot of traffic to get through there as well so yeah there's a lot of passing um and my sort of goal for the swim was to keep it pretty comfortable and i got through the swim and i thought that was just about spot on and i was intrigued to see what my time was going to be when i came out of the swim and uh stood up checked it and i think it was 54 something like that 403 and I thought, eh, I would have liked to have been 53. I was kind of, but 54, that's okay. It's in the right ballpark. That's, that's yep. no problem. Um, I was just going to grab the, the bike and we had such a good position in transition. They, they, right or wrong, they really look after the fast athletes here and they put you in a, in a good position. So, you know, I was right by the bike exit point. So my transition was, was great. Didn't have to push the bike, you know, maybe, maybe 50 it is if that on the mountain lines, so that was fantastic. Got on the bike, and as expected, was just getting annihilated by all these Uber cyclists yeah. because, as I said, I caught up to the uh, caught up to the fast sub nines, and I was wanting to get on a bit of a pace train, and I was like, "This is this is too too fast." Uh, um, so yeah, for the first big part of the first part of the ride, um, all the way down to probably. Reading, which is about 40k, I was pretty much solo. There was, you know, I was I'd get passed by maybe groups of four or five that were in a pace line, but they weren't drafting, but it, they probably were a little bit close, but it was, you know, they were keeping it reasonably fair. Um, so a lot of the first lap was uh, was solo, and but but power was good, pace was pretty good. And I'm thinking this is okay, heart rate's in the right place. I haven't actually looked at my file yet, so that's still down on my bike computer, but it was about right, and I was looking at at the end of the first lap, looked at my average speed and thought, you know, it was 37.7k an hour. And I'm thinking, yes, this is all right. Um, and then, yeah, Solarberg Hill the first time around, you've heard, you'll hear everybody talk about it. It is absolutely mental. You know, you're going up there and I didn't look down at my power meter very much, but when I did, did look down, it was over 300 watts. Uh, <laughs> and I you can't contain yourself, to, uh, can you? Uh, you 
can't uh, and i was i was trying to get the crowd revved up a little bit as well because you know if you engage with them a little bit they just go mental yeah. uh so that was really cool got to the top of solarberg hill and got swamped by this ginormous group of probably about 20 uh and so spent the next i don't know next case sort of in a group um wouldn't say it was legal a lot of the time. There were some people, especially some of the Spanish and Germans, that were up some jacksies, not right on the wheel, but there was uh, less intent than there probably should have been in terms of not drafting. Uh, and I would say I was definitely rolling into the draft zone at times. You know, it was uh, it's a bit analysis, but yeah. Uh, then we got to the hills again and the group completely splintered. Um, and I found myself pretty much by myself again. So uh, we carried on. And the, the second lap of the ride was um a bit of a fading effort um which i was okay with because i knew i was on a pretty good pace and i was thinking even if this is a bit of a fade that's i'm okay with that i think my split's going to be reasonable and i'd rather take it a little bit easier and uh get off the bike hopefully feeling okay but then i started having a bit of stomach issues sort of late in the ride and um and really shut it down a bit just to try to be a bit fresher off the bike. But um, what what were you hoping to do type bike like you came in at 448 what were you kind of hoping to do bike wise um, well, I knew that, you know, with the technology advancements and the sort of setup optimization I'd done, that I was pretty confident that if I could be in the power ballpark that I wanted to be, it would probably be about 445. So I was aiming to have a normalized power around about 235. And I haven't looked at my file yet, but I think it'll be a little bit less than that. It'll certainly be a lot higher variability than I would have liked okay. because I was trying to stay with groups at, at times going up the big long climate gridding. I was like, oh my God, I've got to try to stay with these guys. And I was going way too hard. And I, okay. those matches burnt would have come back to bite me a little bit later on. But I thought if I am in the sort of range of 230 to 235 watts, probably going to be a 445. Thought if I'm average sort of day, it'd be 450. If it's a crappy day, it'd be 455. So yeah, was it was it 447 or 448? 448.29. Yeah, so that was that was good. Um, yeah. And I knew coming off the bike, okay, so that was kind of the range you'd be happy with. You know, a little bit better in a better day, but not you know not disappointing. No. Um, and how were you and, feeling uh, coming off the bike? I'll, I'll come to that in a second. Okay. <laughs> um, so I, I knew that swim entrance was going to, that meant it was probably going to be around about an hour, just under an hour, and do the math. And I thought, okay, 447, 448 plus, you know, roughly an hour. Okay, I've got three hours, 12 minutes or so to do this run. Yep. And I had in my mind for the run, um, it was pretty toasty. I thought it was. No way I'm really out here. I thought, you know, 305 is going to be a really good run. 310, that's going to be steady, should be able to do it. I thought I've really got to be able to run faster than 315. Um, and if I didn't, I don't deserve to be sub nine. But getting off the bike, I was, uh, it's fair to say, I was ropey. <laughs> I was like, really. uh, I certainly hadn't, I don't think I'd bi overbiked, but I was just. KO'd and I came out of transition. I was like, holy shit, this is gonna be tricky. But after about three Ks, sort of, yeah, you got a little bit of downhill as you're going down to the canal. Um, I sort of settled in and then once I got to the canal, I was like, okay, this is all right. You know, I was I was hoping to be running around four minutes 25 per K. Um, and there was some that were about that pace. It was quite there's a lot of fluctuation, but you know, I um I was settling in and I was going, this pace is all right. Uh, you know, if so I wait, can, at this time, I, at this time, did you 
like, because you said, you know, three or five is good, three ten manageable, three fifteen, you know, I should be able to get there. What what's time adjustment were you thinking at this stage? Did you want to leave a bit in the buffer? Yeah, well, I thought, you know, I definitely thought there would be some fade, but I thought if I can keep this around for averaging roughly four thirties for the first half, that's going to give me a reasonable buffer. And like, even if I fade to five minutes per k, I think I could probably. Would it still would have been pretty close, and yeah, yeah, five minutes per k for me is pretty cruisy. You know, it's yeah. not that hard, but when you explode, it is. Yeah. So yeah. I went, went, th- yeah. So it was, it was okay down the canal, but I, I just had in the back of my mind, this feels okay, but I just I'm not quite right. So it was it was a bit of an effort, but I thought yeah, yeah, Ironman's a day of, of ups and downs, and if I can keep some nutrition going in, um, this could be okay. You know, I might be able to keep it steady. I've done some good training. I was sort of reinforcing that, and there was I had some people around me that you kind of we were back and forth and so on. So I thought, you know, this is it's not uh, a done deal that I'm gonna do it, but it's certainly not a done deal that I'm gonna detonate and not not be able to do it. But it went through halfway, I think, in 134, um, yeah. which meant I had you know, a little bit of a fade in hand, in hand to be able to make it. So I guess that meant I could have run a second half four minutes slower and I still would have uh, still would have made it. But from about halfway on, it started to get more and more difficult and um, and that became progressively diff- more difficult as it we seems that, got further on. I'm looking at your run splits here and it seems that you pretty much actually held your pace. There were a couple of cases a little bit, it must have been a bit rolling because there were a couple of cases a little bit over five. I'm assuming you're trying to hit mm-hmm. five minute cases at this stage. A couple where you're a little bit under, but it kind of wasn't really to about 32K mark that you kind of, that time dropped away. Yeah, and, and what was happening is, um, and I'm going to talk about this product later on. It was bloody hot. I won't talk about it too much today, but I got this new cap that some people have said. It's called uh, Omeus, which has got this heat evaporating, um, this sort of graphite along the front of the visor. Okay. Got to say, it worked really well. I wa- and, I, and I'm certainly not using the heat as an excuse because uh, whilst it was bloody hot and I was certainly taking in a lot of water over the head, uh, I didn't feel that it was the heat that was actually slowing me down that much. It really was a case of uh, legs just capitulating and primarily the quads were just absolutely smoked from about 30Ks. And uh, at that stage, it was a case of a death march and just getting to the finish and just, I did have a few couple of walks, but I found that walking was actually more painful because when, when I got going again, my quads just felt like they were going to snap in half. So the last part of the run, the last ten k's, you do have um, uh, you have an uphill to a place called Buchenbach, and there's a hot spot there, and then you've got a downhill in running through through the town to to the finish. Yeah, I've got to say the last ten k's were were not enjoyable at all, uh, and I wasn't. It was I don't care how many people were on the course, I was not really enjoying it at all, and it was a case of getting to the finish line. I knew that the sub nine was was over, but I was yeah. I was okay with that. I was, I'd rather win, you know, I thought, put myself in the right position. Swim was good. Bike was good. Didn't feel like I overbiked. Just uh, didn't have it in the legs on the, on the run. Uh, okay. So any, any closing thoughts on this? Any, anything, what, what do you take away from this race? Um, I think the main things for me is I just don't have any racing in my legs and that's what sort of harms me a bit on the, on the run. And I've got to be, 
fairly pragmatic about it. It was a pretty short build-up. I only really started training in March for this event, did a bit mm. of stuff before that. So I think, you know, the without doing a big debrief with myself yet, it's a case of, yeah, not enough um, pacing, and that's because there isn't any for me to do. Uh, and, yeah, just not enough really hard running. You know, it would have been great to have a better run build-up Um but Henry got any excuses. You know, I did the best I could on the day, and I was definitely completely KO'd at the finish. Uh, it was in the medical tent for, for quite some, and then when I got up to leave after having a drip, uh, promptly vomited all through there. Um, <laughs> the rubbish bins. <laughs> they were. They said, "You sure you're okay to go?" And I thought, mm, "Not really, but I really I was burning up. I needed to go have a shower." So I think I'm okay. Got up and obviously three steps, and luckily there was a wheelie bin there. Just just lifted up my head in it and just vomited everywhere. Uh, so the doctor came over and said, ah, yeah, you're going to be here for a while. Uh, so got out of there eventually, um, but was not in good shape for quite some time. So, yeah, that was my race. But main thing I've got to say about this event, and you'll hear this from, from others later on the show, it's not a sales pitch or anything. It's just something different about this race. You know, when you – all just all the little things um, – I think a big part of it is it's not a big business and, and Ironman probably do a lot of the stuff that Challenge do, but you just feel like it's a family run business and it just feels different. Um, this start, yeah, Solberg Hill and all that sort of stuff is just, it's off the charts and how cool it is. The vibe is just different and yeah, for everybody, I'm sure everybody's got it on their bucket list of something they want to do, but um, highly encourage you to come and come and do it at some stage. And we had an, awesome we get so we had such a good group over here everyone really enjoyed each other's company and you just get you're relaxed you know the course you're well heat adapted uh and we just had a fantastic time so just a couple of mentions in terms of performance wise um whilst you know we had some athletes that had great races uh, so the old bell curve kicked in pretty nicely some had shockers some had amazing amazing races lots in the middle but uh, we did have a few podiums we had albert boyce um the oh, albinator he he took out the 55 to 59 men and winning your age group over here is a yeah. big deal. Yeah. Um, Sarah Blair, who was from Christchurch, she finished third in her age group and Dr. Feelgood, Dave Dwan was fourth in his eight, which was awesome. Uh, I've got to say, Bevan, even if I'd had the race that I could have done, there's no way I was getting on the podium. <laughs> it's just so many fast age groupers. I think I only looked at it briefly but I think I would have had to go eight forty four to get on the get on the podium. Um, wow. That's in third place. Wow, it's pretty impressive, isn't it? You know, eight eight forty four now was probably an eight fifty four. Um, you know, you know, pre COVID and pre fancy bikes and fancy shoes. But um, yeah, all in all, it's pretty cool. Got to say, I did did enjoy. The racing aspect of it for me and i'd said this last week or, or before the you know a lot of the times i've done my ironman races it's been solo sort of tts and it's just a matter of getting the job done what was cool about this one for me is and i really enjoyed the swim aspect where i did have to bridge up and it really felt like a race and then on the bike dealing with uh with the drafting and and actually feeling like i was in a race um was really enjoyable and, and likewise on the run till i blew up you know there was it was racing um so i really enjoyed that and uh yeah i'm certainly not too despondent about it at the end of the day i was ko'd at the finish did everything i could on the day 
wouldn't have done too much different and I was at the limit. So that's uh, the end day. That's all you can ask for. And, and, and obviously I wasn't here this year, but um, I can't second John's recommendation for this race more than anything else. Outside of Hawaii, I, you know, we hear about great races. And admittedly, I haven't done all the races in the world, but the the whole experience, not just for the athletes, but for supporters, you just, you really can't get a better experience in, in triathlon. So if you are, and challenge, you know, and John talks about, you just feel the heart. I think that's the difference. You just feel the heart of this organization. And obviously this is their showpiece, but they just, they just care. They just put on a great event. The, the community's behind it. Seriously, if you want to do a bucket list race in your triathlon career, get the challenge right. Now, John, we're going to put some interviews on right now. John hasn't done these yet, so we'll kind of we'll just be putting interviews that he gets done over the next 24 hours because we're recording this on Monday, New Zealand time. And uh, here are some of the Epic Camp wrote interviews from the last, well, talking about their races. Here they are right now. Right, well it's time to do some post-race interviews and first up we've got Iona Snowtrooper McKenzie. Um, <laughs> she's probably been on the show once before because she came on a camp many moons ago. Have you been on before, Iona? I don't actually think I have been. Oh, well, so first no. time. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, where you're from and, uh, and your sort of background uh, before you came into road. Um, so I live in a small town in British Columbia, Canada called Elkford. I'm recently relocated there from the from Northwest Territory Territories, which is near the Arctic of Canada. And um, I work in mining as a process engineer. Um, I've been doing triathlon for about 20 years now and pretty much got hooked on long distance in the first year of doing it. Mm. So, Just, I've always been fascinated about you working in the Arctic Circle. For people that have never even experienced anything remotely like that, what, what is it like up there? Well, it's um, above tree line, so it's the tundra. It's, um, you know, almost completely dark in the winter and yeah. 24 hours of sunshine during the summer, and you have to fly in there, fly out. That's like the, um, if you've ever heard of the show Ice Road Truckers, that's the ice road that they build up there to those mines, and they bring in the, the supplies every winter for all the the things they need to maintain the mine. It's about 300 kilometers northwest of Yellowknife. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, um, I was doing that for about 10 years, fly in, fly out, out of the northern mines. And, you know, when you're work, when you're there, it's like a camp life and you have your own little room and, um, but you work long days. It's, you work every single day and it's, it was usually 13 to 15 hours. And mm. as you might know, I <laughs> had to have my own little trainer set up there, especially during COVID when yeah. all the gyms were closed at site. So it made it really tough for training, obviously swimming didn't happen yeah um, so no biking on the road and i remember you got no you, you couldn't go and run one day because there's beers out even in yeah summer. that's right no there's you can't run in the winter too cold and then they open up a track around the site and then there's grizzlies wandering around so there was a lot of grizzlies near the camp so wow. yeah so it was uh interesting it was a good life while i had it but i was just ready to be in my own bed every night so and um, another one is a quick for questions for you know people like kiwis and palms and stuff who you know have fairly mild winters whereas you guys in canada if it's bloody harsh you know you're you're not in the arctic now but you know places like calgary where you're from and, and we are now in elkford um how do you how was it like running in that weather because you do go out and run not all winter but you know you're out there what do you do to make it survivable well well it was more the biking like when i lived in Yellowknife, i didn't even have a car actually because i was mostly flying to site i had a fat bike that was my vehicle 
and I'd go for bike rides, but you could usually only go outside for about an hour max before it got too cold. And I'd wear boots that were rated to minus 125 C just because <laughs> once you're on a, on the, and I'd ride the ice road that, that was that, um, crossed, it was on Great Slave Lake. It went from Yellowknife to a small community called Detta. Yeah. And um, so just to like break up from being indoors on the trainer all the time because yeah. um, you get a little bit overdone by trainer rides. So running is really slow when you have to gear up a lot. And then I just find that, um, you know, you have to dress exactly right. If you have too many layers on, then you mm. sweat too much and then your base layer gets too wet and then you sh- you get cold anyway so mm. it it makes for some tricky training yeah for sure <laughs> now um you did ultraman a number of years ago maybe just tell us a bit about that because um you did hawaii but you must have done somewhere i did one in canada too so in canada. yeah i've done an ultraman five times so first time was 2007 in um hawaii and then i didn't go back until I think it was 2014 and then I did it three years in a row 2012 I think I did Ultraman mm-hmm. Canada yeah and I, I don't know I just was really hooked on the kind of camaraderie of the community I just find that the longer the distance the kookier <laughs> people get and the more blissed out they are and, yeah. and they're not as type a I find they're just a bit more you know um, so yeah I really enjoyed Ultraman but it's just been tough. I had gotten married um, in 2017, which is um, since now divorced, but it just, you know, just life kind of has um, made it hard for me to train for, for Ultraman. And then my body's been fighting a couple injuries. So yeah. maybe, maybe someday again when conditions are right. What's it like stepping down in distance for you in terms of the challenge? You know, you've definitely had a few challenges, yeah, keeping your body in shape the last couple of years, but. <coughs> Does it still get? Do you still get a buzz out of doing the shorter stuff? And when I say shorter stuff, I'm talking Ironman um, and half Ironmans. Is it? Is it? Is it a different sort of challenge? Or what's the objective when you when you're coming down a distance? Well, I still love Ironman because that's a full day. But half Ironman's still kind of hard. It's. <laughs> I just find that I seem to run the same speed no matter if it's a half marathon or 80k. Yeah. It's. Um, I'm not a fast runner, but I can sort of tough it out and it just seems the longer the distance the less I slow down so um yeah I just I I mean I still really love Ironman so it was it was kind of nice to finally um be able to finish one again the last Mm. two attempts I've done I haven't been able to finish last year I did Mm. an attempt for Ironman Canada and unfortunately I had some pretty bad asthma um Mm. on the ride and had to drop out and then I did Ironman Copenhagen 2018 and I had gotten sick right before the race. So I just didn't have it. I just couldn't take anything in on the mm. bike at all that day. So it's not a good so start for that. Yeah. So obviously, you know, um, I imagine, hold on a second. Belinda. Just, uh, it's, it's, it's drinking time. It's party time started <laughs> over here. And I've got my <laughs> lovely wife a glass Cheers. of wine that she's ignoring. So, um, Yes, yeah, so obviously rope, I'm assuming, is a bucket, was a bucket list race. Um, yeah. Was that sort of the main reason for, for coming over? Well, I mean, that was one of them, but like this is the third camp I've been on and mm. it's I've just really enjoyed them. Just the mix of people has been really amazing. Just There's always a good group of Kiwis coming mm. over and other people from around the world. So very well organized mm. and um, 
So it was kind of a way to tick off a couple of things at once. And you speak German, which has been incredibly helpful. <laughs> incredibly helpful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, you've seen it all on TV or, or you know, you've heard about all the stuff. Now we're, you know, uh, less than 24 hours after the race. Um, you've seen the course, you know. Firstly, from a, from a course point of view, um, did, was it what you expected? Well, we, I mean, it, it surpassed all my expectations. It was so amazing. But it was so great because with the camp, we were able to pre-ride a lot of, well, we did the whole course mm. loop. And then we repeated some portions of it mm. during other rides. So I just felt like I knew exactly what was coming to me on the bike and even weaving through the towns I felt like I knew exactly how I would be cornering in mm. every single town and I felt like that gave me a bit of a of an advantage just totally. knowing how to handle each of those little towns mm -hmm. and um, the weather was amazing it was a little hot but I've mm. usually it's much hotter on race day just with my luck yeah. as a person coming from a cold climate I'm destined to have a mm -hmm. 35c race yeah. so um, it was, and the run by the, the canal, it was shaded. I didn't think it was going to be shaded. So mm. it was, um, people seem to be mentioning the shade a bit. There was a shitload that wasn't shaded as well. That's true. So you guys got, That's uh, true. It was, there was definitely some shade and there was definitely some breeze, which made a big difference. Yeah, it, it was great. And then the, the fans spectating was mm. just amazing. And, um, so Berg was just, you know, like I, I knew that was going to be, really exciting and it it was really moving like mm -hmm. i just was just crying tears of happiness the yeah. first time i climbed it up and there was just people so yeah. um enthusiastic was, was the course harder than what you thought it would be or was it about the same or, or easier um i think it was about what i expected especially mm -hmm. since we were able to do um the rides and the the hills didn't feel that bad i think mm. it's it felt like you get you got them over within the first half of the loop yeah and then you had a bit of time to recover mm. and the pavement is so mm. sputtery smooth <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. and they swept it all up and the yeah. wind was really low and yeah. then there was you know just with the legal drafting like just between the rides that we did on the on the camp just because i was behind with the climbing i was often trying to hammer to catch up to a pack and you know riding against the wind so it was it felt a little easier than mm. the camp because yeah i had legal like legal draft yeah, yeah. when there's like a whole bunch of people you still feel something you yeah know? i haven't heard i mean i definitely experienced some drafting i think it's what most people experienced over here was in parts was drafting um a little bit unavoidable but most people seem to be doing their best not to draft yeah. but then the hills were kind of splitting things up again and um yeah. Didn't hear anybody that got stuck in a group all the way around the bike ride, which is nice. No, it's just there were a lot of guys that were starting later, so they were obviously yeah. passing. But then, I mean, back where I was, it wasn't like people were that mm. intent on... When someone's coming past at 50k know. an hour and you're going a little bit slow, it's... Uh, yeah, it's but it was still, even if you were, you know, if there was enough people on there, it's still different than a 20 yeah. kilometer an hour headwind when you're all by exactly. yourself <laughs> awesome um so in terms of the overall road experience on race day what was the best part of the day for you well the solaro berg for sure mm -hmm. and then the finish that was just amazing with mm. felix in the stadium shaking hands with everybody mm. and there's just so many people there and i mean 
I didn't know if I was going to be able to finish. The cutoff was 15 mm. hours, and then I've had some niggling hip and calf issues that kind of came back through the trip, through the long-haul mm -hmm. flight and some gear issues I had on the first day of camp. So, you know, if you have to walk mm. a whole marathon, that can be a full a six ride. and a half hour hour, six yeah. and a half hours that really eats into. Yeah. So I was just, you know, I just felt ecstatic that I was able to finish. I never wanted to quit any yeah. at any moment during the day. Good. What, did, what time did you end up rolling in? Um, I, it was 14, no, 14 something, yeah, yeah. I think so, 1430-ish. Yep. Mm. I, I haven't really looked at the final Finishes time I watch. Yeah. Kind of quit at <laughs> mile 18. Nice. But it was still, um, yeah, at least an hour faster than the cutoff. And outside of the race, um, you've obviously been over here for eight or nine days. Uh, any particular favorite parts of the camp or favorite tourist activities you've done um, or food you've eaten or anything in particular? Now that I've asked you that, I'm trying to think. I yeah. didn't do that many tourist things, but there's there's so many um, sites to go and see in Nuremberg and, and Regensburg. Regensburg was really, mm. you know, the ride to Regensburg was amazing. And mm. then the hotel we had right on the Danube mm. and walking to the the Stadtmitte, like the middle of the city mm. um, with Nadia and <laughs> Albert and having, yeah. we had sausage right near the bridge where our... Uh, camp mate um, Ted yeah. uh, proposed to his we've had fiance. A, we've had an engagement on the camp. Yeah. <laughs> second, so. what, second time in, in Epic Camp history we've had an engagement. So <laughs> yeah. that happened. Yeah. Teddy, Teddy Shaw and so uh, Reagan. Yeah, I'd say the long ride to Regensburg and then being in Regensburg. That was probably the best part. Excellent. Well done on a, on a finish. Uh, that was what you came to do and you did the job. And you've been an awesome part of the team, and especially your German speaking has been incredibly helpful. Yeah, so well done, Naona. Yeah, and another really well organized camp, John. That was brilliant. It's been a real fun time. Cool. Awesome. Thank Thanks you. for your time. Bye. Right, number two on the list is Greg Jones. Uh, Greg, welcome along. Where are you from originally, Greg? I'm originally from the UK, uh, Luton, south of England. And been recently in promoted yes, football oh, yes, team. Definitely. <laughs> soon to be in Europe I'm sure um, yeah. yeah and I've been living in Christchurch for 16 years now yeah and I remember actually your first triathlon I think was one of where I organised a little uh, used to be the house of travel now it the was Save triathlon. Yes. You yeah try start. try yeah about a 150 swim I think it was and I nearly drowned a bit like <laughs> yesterday <laughs> <laughs> what, what motivated you to do that first triathlon I just thought um, I've been going I've finished playing soccer um, I was doing a few bits in the gym but with no purpose and it just seemed a good idea. Yeah. Got the mountain bike out from the um, dust in the shed and give that a go really. <laughs> and the race site was probably 500 metres from home as well. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it was a good one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, would you call yourself a triathlon junkie in terms of you know wanting to get over here to do a bucket list race? Oh, race? 100%. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah. It's always been one of the ones that you, you hear about and see all the myths about it and everything and mm. yeah i'm so glad we, we did it mm. brilliant um in terms and i asked the same question to a few people in terms of your expectations on the course itself um you know i've, I've probably been harping harping on to you guys about the what to expect in terms of the course you know um the bike ride and the run uh how did it kind of match up to to what you thought it might be like i think they, you'd said the bike was 
fairly hilly but fast because the roads are so smooth and when we did the first um our um sort of pre-race lap i thought this is really hilly (laughs) but yesterday it it seemed um got i think i did it smoother than smashing the hills and and then recovering sort of did it the other way around and it was for me fairly fast i found that quite quite good and the run um everyone said about the canal being really hot and it was but there was quite a lot of shade i thought so i sort of survived that bit until smoked after that but (laughs) (laughs) yeah um okay now talk talk us through your your day in terms of you're kicking off from from the swim i got a bit of a beating at the start of the swim and it sounds like a few others did as well um yeah it was wave starts based on pretty sure it was based on um finishing time time. estimated time yeah yeah Yeah. so uh, tell us what you know, what time you started and maybe some of the challenges you faced yeah. as you as you sort of went through okay. the day. I think I started at seven thirty-five, which is sort of Good. in my best case scenario. I think I put down about eleven ten or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and during the build-up, every swim I've done for some reason, I've been really short of breath. I've never experienced it before. Mm. So I normally like to be in the middle. I'm not a strong swimmer, but I do like to get into the into the mix but yesterday I stayed out the way so I could cruise into it and then for some reason I had a few panic attacks and stopped mm. and laid on my back a bit like mm. Mr Abel tells us to do yeah. back, back in New Zealand um, so it was my slowest time ever but came out feeling okay yeah. so survived it I think that was the main thing <laughs> did, did that have any um, ongoing ramifications in your mind later in the race like what the hell was going on here or once no, you got through it I just, just wanted to make sure I didn't over, uh, you know um, lose lose my breath anymore yeah. and I had sort of I knew I wasn't going to get that time because we mm. put that down a long while ago free mm. a few little niggles um, but I had in my head a sort of bit more conservative time roughly what time it would be out the swim off the bike um, mm. so I was not right after the bike after the swim sorry but coming off the bike it was a bit quicker than I thought so I was, I was bang mm. on target Yeah. so I was quite feeling okay for the run and what were your experiences like on the bike um, in terms of, you know, drafting, how, the, how it sort of unfolded and maybe contrast it to what you've experienced at other Ironman races? Right. I think the first um, probably 20, 30k before we hit um, Greading, 30k, mm-hmm. was a bit like typical Ironman ones. There was mm-hmm. quite a lot of, it wasn't drafting, it was just full. Mm. It, well, I don't think there was too many people sucking wheels too much but it was just quite packed Mm. um after the first hill it it got spread out a lot more there was still some small packs Mm. then they were people that blatantly were doing it Mm. but other than that it was it was good because the hills really broke it up i think they really did yeah and then um onto the run you had some some challenges out there yes Um, maybe talk us through those and and how you try to navigate them yeah i came off the bike i actually felt pretty good um Mm. i hit my Legs felt good after the first couple of K. I was hitting my sort of estimated pace I thought I could hopefully hold until um, I think it was 19K. And then the wheels came off with my dodgy old man hips. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was pretty much all over. I tried yeah. to do um, run walk for a while. One of the girls, Fiona, caught me, caught back to me and um, we did a bit of run walking and then I couldn't, couldn't do it. Yeah. So it's the longest I've ever walked in my life. So wasn't it so much a case of the head didn't want to do it no, and no. you hadn't run out of energy, no. it was just your hip yeah. was Yeah, was I was fine speed. with all of that. It's just, yeah, I think it's 
when I get back. Time to visit the doctor for a few scans and see how right. bad they are now. Yeah. Been ignoring it for a while. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What What about um, out there? Even though you're walking it, and that would have totally sucked. And I did a bit of walking as well. Was it still pretty cool going around some of those hot spots? And did that you lap that sort of stuff up? That was no? the one thing that was quite good. I mean. Um, Walking, you got to take in a lot more because you weren't in the... I was aching and, you know, it was hurting, but nothing like running. Yeah. And uh, you did get to take a lot more of it in. It was, yeah. Yeah, it was quite good for that. But I was just looking at your watch thinking, 15K to go. That's over two hours. And yeah, it's, uh, it was hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think if it was a typical race, might not have finished. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, highlights of your, your day? Um, I think there's two and probably everyone says the same. Mm. Is Solberg Hill mm. um, and, the, and the finish. Yeah. And the finish. That's Solberg Hill. I've seen so many pictures of it, videos, you know, YouTubes and everything, but nothing prepares you for it. Yeah. I come around that corner and I couldn't believe it. Yeah. It was I was feeling, I don't know why. It was, I, I, funny enough, I just looked at my um, heart rate. That was the highest heart rate I had all day. <laughs> just, I think it was before, it was yeah. before the power went up. So I think it was when I saw it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was just, I know you'd said to us, try and control yourself. I yeah. forgot all of that. Yeah. I was shouting, screaming, <laughs> smashing the pedals. <laughs> Excellent. So yeah, you, I'll remember that for a very long time. Yeah. Yes. No, it's, uh, you sort of, you, you come around this corner and you approach it and there's barriers on each side. And even there, it's pretty mean. Yeah, you kind of yeah. feel like a proper racer. Yeah, you can't really hear racer. anything then. Until, but, oh, yeah. then when you get up to the part where it sort of just goes yeah, into nuts. single file, it's Absolutely. mental. <laughs> uh, no, that's awesome. In terms of the rest of the week, you know, you've been doing a bit of uh, touristy stuff, wandering around. Any particular highlights um, sort of during the week? Anything I think all the, uh, especially the first few places, that the smaller villages, they were great just to... Mm. Uh, walk around different cafes and restaurants and that I really liked it so mm. say, all that time living in the UK going on summer holidays to the Mediterranean and that never mm. thought to come mm. to rural Germany yeah and it's brilliant yeah. <laughs> and it's it's pretty cheap oh yeah you know, in terms yes. of eating out and stuff oh, like definitely it's great really a really good value no, so. I think even if I didn't do another Ironman I'd come back this area for a yeah a biking tour or something would be great yeah sounds good and you've got a bit of an extended holiday now you don't oh, get yes. back to new zealand until bloody september no no back to the uk to visit some family and friends got a wedding to go to and the, the hardest thing it's probably going to be harder than this iron man it will be um next friday i'm off on my nephew's stag weekend <laughs> <laughs> big weekend and how many years is luton town going to stay up in the premier league i'd say one <laughs> <laughs> such confidence yes so but they'll go down a lot richer. Yeah, they will. How much do you think, so for, for non-football um, listeners, uh, Luton has made the Premier League in football, which is, uh, what, what does that mean for the club? I think they're gonna, they'll get, for just this promotion from all the advertising rights, I think it's like £200 million, pounds, mm. and that which, was, which will buy their new stadium. And but prior to that, they would have got five million or something yeah, like that something or? like that yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So. that's pretty but huge <laughs> yeah, but a lot of these teams go up and then down yep. up down so uh, good luck with that um, shame Thanks. you can't catch a game with a I'm, game still, I'm hoping to oh. just before we leave the se season starts i'll see if i can sneak a ticket Excellent. <laughs> awesome thanks very much for your time greg thanks john hopefully you enjoyed those interviews and i'm uh, are you gonna are you thinking about doing another or are you doing up to west next year aren't you Doing up to his next year, um, we'll definitely be back to Rote at some stage, either maybe 2025 or 2026. So if you are keen, uh, get in touch. Haven't made any planning at this stage, but uh, yeah, definitely be back either 2025 or 2026. So I'm um
I'm thinking. Get in touch. Uh, I've got to say, it is really cool having a week. It, it adds to the experience. And oh, yeah, of course, yeah. I'm trying to sell spots on the camp. But um, but it's just a wicked experience. And one bit of advice, yeah, well, yeah, you get to see so many tourist spots. Yeah, we stay in a place called Nuremberg, Regensburg, and Hippelstein. Uh, Nuremberg and Regensburg, amazing history. Uh, so you kind of get the tourist experience. You get the course reconnaissance. You get the heat adaption. And above all, you know, what you'll hear from a lot of people on this is you, you kind of make some lifelong friends from, yeah. from different parts of the world. We've got – we have quite a few Kiwis. We've got Americans. We've got guys from – from the UK, from Canada, um, and it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's just a good vibe. So, yeah. Well, and that's the thing, it's that camaraderie, you know, like when you go overseas and you do a race, it's an amazing experience. But then when you've been training for someone for, you know, a few days beforehand, then when yeah. you're out in the course and you see them, there's that kind of shared experience, that camaraderie. And, you know, it's amazing how quickly you can build because you're having such a challenging experience together, how quickly you can build those connections where on the race day, those moments, actually interesting. I was talking to a lady I've trained to do a marathon this weekend and we we're talking about strategically putting her supporters out on the race for the emotional lift. Cause when you see yeah, people, you uh, know, out there on the course, it really does make a difference. And, and especially if they're yeah. both racing and I know when I've been a part of the camps over and wrote, um, you know, that, that camaraderie and that shared experience really makes it an even better experience. Mm. And what is cool is we have an amazing support crew who help us out over here. Logistically, race day is an absolute nightmare. So my lovely wife, Belinda, um, and the rest of the crew, Andrew, Huggin, Lee Ying was uh, helping out heaps, uh, and the rest of the team were amazing. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's a cool experience. So if you're keen to get, get on it, get on it. Check out epiccamp.com. Okay, John, so we'll just quickly wrap up things. Uh, you name a couple of our patrons. Yes, I will indeedy. Uh, we have got uh, Mike Schwizzle-Pizzle, Peter the Explosion Curry, and Richard Speedwalker-Swan. As always, team, if you want to become a patron of the show, go to www.imtalk.me. Go through the patron process and support the boys in what we do if you enjoy our show. Uh, also, if you want to email the show, you can email us at imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, for John's coaching, coachjohnnewson.com. For anything I do, bevanjamesisles.com. And if you want to check out Epic Camp again, uh, John puts on a great product. You've an awesome experience. Value for money is through the roof. Uh, next year, Outdoors. And you've got Kona. And are you doing another New Zealand? Yeah, um, we're doing a little one in New Zealand, but Kona is, uh, is a biggie. And I've certainly got spaces for, for that. But I am actually doing all the booking at the moment. So Kona is uh, sort of end of May next year. Um, and you get to race on the 70.3 course, as well as doing a big tour of the island, which is really, really cool. Uh, and We'll be doing a little three-day New Zealand camp in April as well, going to go down and do the sort of a tour of the tour, well, basically going and doing all the big climbs around Queenstown. So we're going to have a massive day on the bike down there. So um, that's sort of the plan for the next uh, next 12 months. Sounds like a hard life, eh? So what's the plan now, John? You've done your race, your legs are sore, you've got a bit of recovery coming up, but then what happens? Yeah, so today is, yeah, it's like seven o'clock now, just ticked over uh, on Monday morning. So I've got some athletes, oh shit, they're leaving shortly, actually, I better go and see them. Uh, they're leaving, some people are leaving this morning, we're leaving tomorrow, so we get to go out and have a few little drinky winkies tonight. Uh, after Greece for a week, uh, so we're going to Crete for uh, for four nights, and then Athens for three nights, and Athens sounds like it's going to be awesome but a complete inferno it's about 37 38 degrees there really? uh and but it's going to be wicked i'm really looking forward to both have you of been those. there before 
No, I haven't been to Greece before, so it's going to be very, very cool. Uh, and then the, the long haul home. Well, you have an awesome time. It's uh, what on your race. I know it probably wasn't exactly what you wanted, but still never. How many Ironman have you done now? Uh, not, not heaps, but that's the third road. So it's the first uh, two ways. Third road. Yeah. And then you've done yeah, South, how many South, New Zealand? South, South Africa, two, two or three New Zealands. You must be up to 10. Yeah, at least 10. Yeah, bit of a mixed bag in there. First, uh, first fail and rote, but um, still had a good time. Well, but except for the last hour and a half, which was not a good time at all. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you win some, you lose some. That's Ironman racing for you. No one, no one ever gets every race right in Ironman. I tell you, or if you are, you you're probably not going hard enough. <laughs> you know, mm. so it's an art form. Okay, team, we'll um, we'll be back next week with the show. Let's wrap it up, Jombo. I'm Russ. I'm Indo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. Kia kaha.